Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, Leslie Thomas. Today, it's just me. And I would like to talk about the power of evidence. Evidence that lets our subconscious know what we want for ourselves is possible because others have already achieved it. They have demonstrated the art of the possible. Today's episode has been inspired by a post I recently wrote on social media about the importance of seeking evidence to prove to yourself that what you are doing is possible, that others have done it before, and therefore it is possible for you to do it too. If, and this can be a big if, you take the necessary action to move you towards what you want to achieve. I have shared my story before, but those of you who are not familiar with it, I will share those details again now. I spent 20 years working in the corporate world in telecommunications. When I was growing up, I had no aspirations at all to be a business owner. I followed what I thought was a normal path. I went to school, then university, and then I started my corporate journey. I worked hard at each of the jobs that I had, and I largely enjoyed everything that I did during my working time within the land of corporate, which included working in Ireland, Switzerland, Holland, and Japan. That was until my children came along and then the corporate juggle began. I was living in Salisbury and my job was based up in London, some hour and a half away on the train and a further half an hour from the train station to my office. I commuted to the office about three times a week. This was great when I didn't have children, but once the children arrived, it started to become more and more difficult and I became more and more unhappy with feeling like I was a less than mum, a less than wife and a less than employee because I didn't feel I could commit a hundred percent to any of those roles. I tried to comfort myself with the fact that I was earning a really good six-figure salary which meant we had a really comfortable lifestyle. But leaving my husband and children very early in the morning, whilst my husband gave the children breakfast before taking them to nursery, whilst I headed to the train station, caught the train up to London, 
and went to my different meetings and commitments for those days. This left me feeling really unhappy. But I suppose at that time, I was conditioned. I knew nothing different. Nobody in my family had been a business owner, and they certainly didn't understand the mindset of being a business owner. When you are in employment, when you receive a monthly salary, you have that security. You have all the benefits that go with having a corporate job, a pension that is contributed to, healthcare insurance, a company car, paid holidays, etc., etc. So my mentality at that point in time was I had made my bed, it wasn't a bad bed, and I should lie in it. I had the security of a really good monthly salary, but that wasn't making me happy. So I started to look for the evidence of women who had made the transition from corporate life to running their own business. And fortunately, I found that evidence. There were a number of women who had gone before me and set up their own businesses and had done so very successfully. At this point in time, my husband had already made that leap for himself from the world of employment and set up his own business selling ski property in Switzerland. Knowing how torn I was and how conflicted I felt leaving the children, heading up to London, clock watching throughout the day to hopefully get home in time to at least give the children a kiss goodnight, my husband suggested that I followed him, that I left my corporate life behind and joined him in the business he had set up. Again, I was conflicted. At that point in time, I was, as I said, conditioned to believe that I should continue to be fully employed, to enjoy the fruits that full-time employment brings, and to simply put up with the downsides of it, as I know many people do. But I realised I didn't want to do that. I realised I wanted to have a life by my design designed for my family and I. Now, the reality is doing what I did was not easy. I left my corporate role in December 2010 as we were coming out of a global recession, but the recession staggered on longer than people initially thought it would. Then there were conversations in the media about a Brexit referendum, and then the referendum in 2016 and all the uncertainties that brought for people buying property overseas. And then, of course, we had the pandemic and then actually left the EU. And all of those things caused a heavy weight on our business. But fortunately, we had developed a strong reputation for service, a strong reputation for what we did. And we rode those waves successfully. When I joined the company, I set up the French side of the business and we continue to sell successfully in the French and Swiss Alps. And this meant that I have been able to spend time with my children doing the school run, going to sports days, nativities, etc, etc, 
And none of that would have happened if I hadn't followed my instinct to search for the evidence to see if it was possible to successfully make the move from corporate life to the life of being a business owner. I often talk to my coaching clients about the importance of seeking the evidence, of looking at how successful people have gone on their journey and what they have done to create the success that they have in their lives. But a hugely important part here is there is very little originality in this world. And I don't say that in any negative way. What I mean is there are only so many original firsts, like landing on the moon, creating cures for different illnesses, finding a breakthrough in technology like the iPhone, Facebook, etc., etc. Most of what we see and do has been done before, and that is a good thing, because this demonstrates to us, to our subconscious, that when we crave change, when we are looking to do something different than what has ever been done before, then usually there is somebody that has done what we want to do or something similar to what we want to do. Then that means that by taking the right intentional action, we too can achieve what those before us have achieved also. Yes, there will always be those who are groundbreakers, who are movers and shakers, things that have never been done before. And so that should be. However, for the majority of people, being able to move to a bigger house, create a better income, go on more than one holiday a year, be the first millionaire in their family, be the first billionaire in their family, have several successful companies spend more time with family and less time working, creating the kind of success that once they may not even have their dream about. When we look around the world at large and see that evidence of those people doing what we crave, what we want to do, we should celebrate them because what they are doing, they are demonstrating to us the art of the possible. Most millionaires are not born millionaires. They don't come from a family who became millionaires and passed that money on to them. They haven't been given that money through trust funds, etc., etc. Yes, there is a percentage for whom that is true. But today, the majority of very, very wealthy people have made that wealth themselves through the work they have done the action they have taken, the belief they had in themselves and what was possible for them. The difference between success and lack of success usually comes down to one thing, mindset. Mindset and belief in what you are capable of achieving. And when we set ourselves up for success by taking a look at what is possible and believing that that is possible for us. And, and this is the important part, taking the required action, no matter how uncomfortable to do what we need to do 
to replicate or even do better because the evidence is there that we have seen it for ourselves. I truly believe that looking at the art of the possible, following those people whose journey really motivates us, whose journey really demonstrates what they have done and how they have achieved it, that is inspiring. I have been open on this podcast previously, and I have been open with the person I'm going to talk about now. About 18 or so months ago, I stopped following somebody on social media, and I stopped following them because they were triggering me, talking about the amount of money they were earning, showing off as I saw it with what they were buying and where they were holidaying and the success that they were seeing, etc., etc. And it really triggered me. I can remember having a conversation with myself along the lines of, how dare they show off like that? We're going through a pandemic. And at the time, I felt it was not right to be showing off in the way that they were. So I stopped following that person for a period of time. And then sometime later, it dawned on me that actually me not following them was not going to allow me to understand how they were seeing the success that they were seeing. Following them was going to allow me to understand what they did, how they did it, and give me the opportunity to decide if I wanted to take the same steps that they were taking. I also realise now that this person was demonstrating the art of the possible. For some people, it would be triggering. For others, it would be inspirational. But, and I truly believe this, when we are triggered, the reason why we are triggered in these situations is because we want what they have. And we are really suffering at that point in time from comparatonitis. Why do they have what they have? I want to have it. It's not fair. But when I examined what this person was doing to be where they were, I realized I was not taking enough intentional action. And if I was not taking enough intentional action, how could I expect to have the results this person was having? That felt like a eureka moment for me, a light bulb went off that made me realise that we usually only get triggered when the other person has what we want. They see the results that we want for ourselves. And at that point in time, possibly we are not seeing those results. I referred to this in a recent podcast episode when I talked about if we have no aspiration, for example, to be a great concert pianist, or an amazing trapeze artist, or a fantastic portrait painter, for example, you can go and appreciate what those people do. The skills they have for quite simply what they are. They are amazing skills of people who have a set of skills that you and I don't have. And I never come away from watching a performance of any kind berating myself for not being able to play the piano or sing brilliantly or have people come to me to look at my matchstick men, which would not be worth anyone coming to see or pay to see. 
but I can appreciate what they do without any comparatonitis because I don't want to have what they have. I can simply enjoy their skills. This realisation for me was a big moment and it allowed me to let go of so much and move forward in a positive way and to realise that looking for the evidence, creating the intentional action and even more importantly, taking that action. That is what is allowing me to create the success I am now seeing in my coaching business, not by carrying on as I was not by comparing myself unfavourably to others. Instead, I now seek out healthy role models who are going to model for me the art of the possible. So when I think back on my journey, which is a journey I am still on, I don't think we ever get to our destination. We just decide on a different destination en route. When I look back on my time in corporate, and the decision I made to look for the evidence to see who else had successfully transitioned from corporate to the business world. I'm so glad that I did. And I am so glad I took the intentional action to design a life rather than feel I was constrained by the choices and decisions I made in my early 20s, when quite simply, I didn't know there was another way. So I would encourage all of you to look out for those healthy examples of people you want to model, whose lives you want to model, who can positively show you the art of the possible. There are so many examples of people out there who are wildly successful. And of course, success means different things to different people. For me, true success is financial freedom, because financial freedom gives you options. Financial freedom gives you choices. And when you have those things, you can design a life by your design and not somebody else's. So that's it for today. Any questions or comments, please do reach out to me. I love it when I get messages from you on Messenger or in my DMs on Instagram and through my email. All of my contact details can be found in the show notes. I also have a number of free resources on my website. Again, details can be found in the show notes. In the meantime, take care. And until next time, bye-bye. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. 
Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.